0: and then that's the key there it's not what
1: people have said since scripture it's what the scripture said because of god's grace he will have grace on who he will and uh careful you're cowboy i still have no argument against that right okay uh, that's
0: good He's already said before, all that are given will come. Now that gets into uh, election. No, no,
1: so right. So we're 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 jumping ahead in the tulip doctrine. So the and I wanted to save this for election, but since you brought it up, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply it here because it seems to apply here.
0: before we do, I want to focus specifically on how Jesus says, "No man can come to me unless he is drawn, unless the Father draws." But and and mef- that's, that's where we you, are right before now, you describe your position.
1: A, okay, I, I still have no argument against that, right? Okay, uh, good. We we nothing we do would bring us to Jesus, and bringing us to Jesus is the saving act, right? Jesus is talking about salvation of the faithful. Okay, he's not talking about bringing us to hear him. He's talking about bringing us to his flock, okay? To salvation. Right. Okay. Not bringing us to hearing or bringing us to faith, bringing us to salvation. Okay, so go on, sorry. Well, I, I think that's that's really where it is, is that in our
0: natural state, Jesus is saying, no man can come to me unless he is drawn. And what you were referring to earlier is this idea of an. Uh, the necessity of a gift Uh, and you, you want to phrase it as, or you want to position it as grace is the gift rather than faith. And where Jesus says here that drawing that's done, um, I would turn the question on you and ask, do you think that Jesus is saying there uh, that that drawing is simply the grace or is that the faith that as Paul says later, when Abraham had the faith, it was counted to him as righteous. Righteousness.
1: So where do, where do you get that the drawing is the faith?
0: Now, I'm, I'm I'm asking you if when you see that verse, when when you see Jesus say, "No man can come to me unless he is drawn by the fa- uh, Father."
1: Well, no, I would just counter that with uh, the times in the New Testament and the Old Testament where, if God had given someone the opportunity that He gives someone else or giving them clear interpretation instead of parables they would have believed, how could someone willfully believe if God has to give them the belief, right? So, again, it's conflation to me. I don't see the logical connection between God drawing someone, having interaction with someone to you know beg them to repent demand they repent in some cases and mm-hmm. the the conclusion that those who do must have been given it as a gift I, I don't see that in scripture or logically in the argument okay well that's right but I, I think this this highlights
0: kind of the position of total depravity in our natural state
1: so let, let's we, let's jump we, to my rebuttal there right okay. uh, when Jesus is talking in parables, uh, the a, a typical Calvinist argument there is that, well, the people who are in his flock understand, and he's hiding the truth from these other people because he's not giving them understanding. But in several of those instances, actually all but maybe one of them, uh, it explicitly shows that his believers didn't understand the parables. He had to go and explain it Directly to them later. So, uh, if if the argument is that they only believe because he gives them belief, then why don't why don't his followers, the people who do believe, understand what's being said? He has to then go back and tell them. My position is what Paul says in Romans. He's using that to serve a purpose, and this is said in Deuteronomy as well. Uh, He's making the Jews jealous by giving something to the Gentiles that was meant for the Jews, but the Jews rejected. So he's um, judiciously hardening an already hardened heart to hide the truth from them that they would otherwise accept on their own if he said it clearly, not that he would have to give them understanding of, they would accept if he spoke clearly to reach the goal of Scripture, the goal of, his entire creation goal i I wanted to use a different word but you know whatever uh so in in romans it's either 11 or romans 12 uh paul talks about the uh unbelieving jews being uh, the truth being hidden from them they're being hardened and uh, it, it's pretty clearly talking about where Jesus is telling them parables instead of clear truths. Uh, they are already self-hardened through sinful acts. And right. Jesus is hardening them to serve a purpose, to reach his goal of being sacrificed on the cross, uh, saving the world through the Jews, uh, through, through the lineage of Abraham through the acts of sinful Jews reaching the entire world. And Paul talks about grafting them back in. And Mm -hmm. he explicitly says, are they without hope? No, they're not. So hardening a person is not necessarily hardening without potential for reversal, for potential for salvation, it is hardening to serve a purpose, okay? So there's distinction between God interacting with man for his goals and God causing belief or causing rejection, right? Uh, and, and this plays okay. into my whole position about God being outside of the limits of time. Uh, obviously, ph- philosophically, the whole Newtonian uh, God in time argument. God is in time because he interacts with us. Jesus lived the life of a man. The Holy Spirit indwells us in time. But Mm -hmm. God is a triune God. Okay. And Casey sent me, shout out Casey, uh, a podcast a few weeks ago. Oh man, it's been almost two months ago now. And uh, a couple of weeks earlier before this whole COVID thing had started, uh, we were having dinner and we were discussing my opposition to your argument and how my understanding of God outside the limit of time makes tulip doctrine illogical from a scripture perspective. Uh, But it was interesting to me because he sent me a podcast of a reformed podcaster who was using my argument to oppose uh, Catholic positions uh, and Oh, gosh! I think it had to do with someone losing salvation. Uh, i don't I don't want to mischaracterize his argument uh, or straw man it, but it's been two months since I had the listen to the podcast. So basically, he was saying God outside of the limits of time is mm-hmm. already in the future, right? he but. he He exists in every moment of existence, inside and outside of time concurrently, simultaneously. Right. Okay. For that to be the case, God, the father who lives beyond the limits of time is interacting with humans, with angels, with, uh, the metaphysical world, the physical world, all of it simultaneously from an unchanging perspective for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, he does not learn. He does not grow. He does not grow in wisdom. Like, uh, some people would use to claim God, you know, the open theist, right. Uh, uh, the, the fact that Jesus, the man grew in wisdom and learned is just showing that Jesus was also 100% human in addition to being 100% God. Mm, right. uh, so God outside of time, his argument was great in its opposition to Cat Catholicism. Uh, it was, it was describing And it, in it opposes the whole uh, uh, Armenian position against once saved, always saved the P and tulip. Uh, and the 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 half-point Calvinist, yeah, the half-point Calvinist I am ties to P. So in week five, we'll get into where I agree with you and don't have any argument. That may be a short uh, tulip conversation. Nice. Uh, but his argument was perfectly on point with what I believe about God uh, based on the logical necessity of how God would have to exist beyond our capability to understand and reason and be able to interact with people in the future and know who truly believes and who doesn't believe, who shows false belief, right? right. So uh, it was talking about people can show true belief and be apostates and be separated from the church. It's a similar argument to those who uh, believe a person could lose their salvation, right? right. The, the oppositional argument is that God being outside of time, being unlimited by a linear progression of events the way we are, Knows the truth of our heart, interacts with us with the truth of our heart, and seals us to the day of judgment. Right? We we are incapable of losing our salvation because uh, of the whole interplay with God being beyond the limits of time and knowing. Right? Uh, otherwise, sealing would have been uh, the the whole interplay of oh gosh, is it in Titus? Is it in James? It is in one of the Johns. I forget where, what, what uh, it, it may be first John. Somewhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, first John where it's, it's discussed that, uh, if, if man could sin unto death, uh, but God keeps believers from sinning unto death, right? God keeps people from, uh, sinning and losing their salvation is basically mm-hmm. what the summary layman's term description of that eight verse passage um, and sealing us, sealing those indwelt with the Holy Spirit until the day of judgment. Uh, an argument I've seen from Arminians specifically is that, well, man's actions can unseal, break the seal. Well, no, God says nothing, Satan, the powers of the air or any man can do can unseal what he has sealed. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, Disclude man's own actions from his ceiling, right? The position is that, and i've I've gone on such a rabbit hole, I've forgotten where I was going with that for two uh, the total depravity. Um, oh, you you talked about unconditional election and that whole interplay. So if God is love, right? God is infinite, he is, love. God, is, God is God is love, right. God is love. He, he is the perfect righteous judge. Also, so he has to judge sin. Okay, mm-hmm. um, if total depravity and unconditional election were true, all right, within the and context, within the context that God is love, mm-hmm. okay, Calvinism wouldn't be true. Calvinist doctrine would lead to universal reconciliation. Mm, no. Oh, it, it, it logically, it absolutely would, because if a person is capable of being loved by God, mm-hmm. right? God is love. OK, if if his plan from before the beginning of time, hold on, let me pull up where I actually argued this online because I can't remember it. I don't have my notes. And uh, this is going to be a whole lot better than me bumbling through it. Um, OK, here it is. All right. So um John Calvin, the, the the father of your ideology in his many works, <laughs> kind of glosses over the uh, the idea of in him from Ephesians 1, 4. Okay, so uh, those who are predestined mm-hmm. before the beginning of time are those who are in him, right? Who is in him? Believers, right? Right. Okay, so it's not God predestined people to be to have faith and to be saved it's it's he he predestined that Jesus would be the pathway for our salvation okay and okay. those who are predestined are those who are in him those who are in him are those who believe okay so uh he 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 glosses that over because he's come to this conclusion based on the augustine positioning of total depravity and uh, all the other Augustine-sourced things that never show up with any of uh, the church fathers prior to Augustine. I mean, they discuss it, but not a single one of the church fathers before Augustine definitively concluded or even definitively argued for uh, total depravity. Well, there wasn't a need for it.
0: Well,
1: you're right, there wasn't a need
0: for it because it wasn't part of Scripture. Uh, well, by using that logic, then the Reformation wasn't as necessary because the the focus on faith and grace and, and what have you was not as explicitly spelled out as it was prior to, to Martin Luther and, and John Calvin.
1: Uh, I but think, I think that's, I that, think, that's another I rabbit I think Scripture hole. quite thoroughly uh, itemizes grace. See, And that,
0: that's the key there. It's not what people have said since Scripture. It's what does Scripture say.
1: But the scripture doesn't say total depravity. That's my argument. Okay, so this applies. This applies more to unconditional election than it does to total depravity. But it applies to total depravity in as much as, if unconditional election were the method for God saving people from total depravity, then they they interplay so much that if one's not true, the other one can't be possible, right? And this is an argument we've had repeatedly. if you if you defeat one of the points in tulip, the others break down because they're so interdependent. right? Would you agree with that?
0: I, I would agree that the the five doctrines uh, are cohesive within themselves. So yeah, if you get one, you've got to have the other four. If you don't have one, then you can't have the other four.
1: Well, I think the p stands I mean, you, can't, on its you own. can't have
0: the p. Without well, the the, the rest way, of
1: the way, the way Calvinist doctrine positions the P and why the P is sure, but the P from a scriptural point of view that once saved, you cannot lose your salvation, uh, that can stand on its own, the other four fall apart. Okay, so, uh, I this is something I posted in that group that shall not be named again, uh. <laughs> And it was more with the elect than it was with total depravity. But again, they play together because for someone to be unconditionally elected, it has to be because they they are incapable of faith, resulting in salvation from the gift of grace on their own. Uh, so I asked, uh, why does why does John Calvin never quote God is love? in institutes. Not once does he quote, God is love in, uh, the institutes of the Christian religion. Uh, John, first John four, eight. Um, and it, it was, it was, a it was an attempt to get some Calvinists involved in a discussion about how he had presupposed things onto scripture to reach his tulip. And it, Tulip is not Calvin. Tulip was, a development in response to a response to Calvin. Yeah, we covered that last. Week. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, the conclusion I had the logical progression. And if you or anyone else involved in this live stream has a, you know, a, a flaw in my logic or a response to my logic, feel free to point, post it in the live stream or, uh, to post it when Wes does his editing and resubmits because apparently audio is still choppy. Uh, Jill yeah, sorry Simoniac, about that. yeah Jill Simoniac posted fifteen minutes ago, audio is still choppy. So my argument is that uh, Calvin ignores the fact that God is love. You know, we have no example of love except for that. Of God's love for us, giving the sacrifice of Himself in Jesus Christ, uh, to live a perfect life, die—that's a bold a statement. What he ignored it. I—I'll get to the logic behind that in a moment. Okay. okay? Uh, Hopefully, he—he he ignored the central point of God, being God is love, to logically conclude. Unconditional election, total depravity, and all that. Okay, he didn't ignore it. Generally, he ignored the importance of it to reach his position. And I'm, I'm, I, I see the look on your face. You, you can't follow that. So, um, I'm, I'm getting into it here. Okay. So, logical progression example here. Mm-hmm. All right. Of, of how Calvin misinterpreted the necessary conclusion of his doctrines. Okay if if Calvinist doctrine is true, Calvinism is false. Universal reconciliation must be true is with, is the ultimate conclusion logically from Calvinism, okay? And here's the progression. God is love, 1 John 1, 4. He is holy, 1 Samuel 2, 2, 1 Peter 1, 16. And he is just, Isaiah 30, 18, mm-hmm. Job 34, 12, okay? God cannot not love any person that it is logically possible for God to love. Okay, God is love. But okay,
0: so so that's where we disagree. That that um. Uh,
1: what's the what's the word for it? Okay, uh, if God is holy love, all right. If if God, premise, if, that, yeah, that premise it, is faulty. Hold on, uh, I'm I'm gonna explain the premise. Let me finish the okay. premise. Uh, so if it is logically possible for God to love a person. He must love that person because God does not love that person. He would be performing an act that is contrary to his nature. God is love, 1 John 4, 8, okay? So if he does not love a person, it is contrary to his very nature. God cannot act outside of his nature. God cannot sin, right? Right. Uh, It is logically impossible for God to sin. Therefore, it is logically impossible for God to not love a person, okay? If Calvinism is true, God chose some individuals to be ch- saved before the foundation of the world. Okay, that's point two in the logic. Okay. God is love. It is, if it's logically possible, God must love them, is point one. Okay, point two is Cal- if Calvinism is true, God chose some individuals, elected them to be saved before the foundation of the world. Okay. Uh, three, according to Calvinism, and not necessarily Calvin, because it has been developed into the tulip doctrine since Calvin. Right. God chose the elect because he loved them as per Ephesians 1 4. Okay. God loved them because they were his elect. Okay. Four, if God chose some individuals based upon his love for them in order that they were saved, then he therefore did not choose the remaining, the non elect, because he did not love them. Or alternatively, did not love them as much for no reason of their own choosing, just because he, for some reason, unbeknownst to us, undescribed in Scripture, decided it before time began, thus passing them over or choosing them to be damned because he didn't love them or didn't love them as much. Okay, God, since God cannot not love a person, that it is logically possible. That's point four. Point five. Since God cannot not love a person, that it is logically possible to be the object of His love, God therefore must choose all individuals for salvation. Since all individuals are pos- logically possible as being the object of God's love. Okay. So if 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 election if election before existence happened because God loved them, Ephesians one four Calvinist argument. And chose them in his love for no reason of their own, not because they had faith, because he gave them faith, because he loved them, then God would have had to have logically chosen all people for salvation. Okay. Um, wow. Six, if God chooses all people for salvation, then it entails universalism or universal reconciliation. Okay. We know universalism is wrong. It is objectively unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Okay. Yep. Universalism is not biblical. Under no circumstances can it be considered biblical. Uh, seven, thus, if Calvinist exegesis of Ephesians 4 is true, and the conclusion that's reached about unconditional election, total depravity, why total depravity leads to unconditional election— that God chooses individuals based upon his love for them to be saved before the foundation of the world, then universalism, not Calvinism, must be true. And we know universalism is not true. Hilarious. Eight, since God (laughs) cannot choose only some people for salvation because of his love for them, which means he did not choose other people because he did not love them or did not love them as much, then Calvinist understanding of why God loves some more than others, supposedly according to their interpretation and specifically the interpretation of Ephesians 1, 4 is false. Okay. Nine, since God cannot How not love... How many premises people, do you have? Uh, my, last 17? One is, okay. my last one is this one. Okay. okay. Nine, since God cannot not love people that are logically possible to be the object of his love, and individual's are logically possible to love. Therefore, God must love each and every individual. Okay. God must not love or not love the same for no reason other than his arbitrary choices before the beginning of time. Some individuals in order that they are not selected for salvation. Since God is love, God cannot not love individuals since this is a logically possible feat and he cannot function outside of his nature right performing actions that are contrary to god's nature is absolutely unequivocally impossible it is infinitely impossible for god to act outside of his nature okay god cannot sin therefore god does not sin god is love therefore god loves all people in calvinism God would choose not to love individuals or to love them differently for reasons he chose unconditionally, merely upon his discriminative choice, okay? The result is passively or actively condemning the non-elect for eternity outside of election because due to... Calvinist beliefs of total depravity. Man is incapable of anything but total depravity, right? He is, he is born in, in totally depraved. In his natural depraved. state prior to regeneration, yes. Right, he is born totally depraved, incapable of anything but total depravity without God regenerating him, okay? This distorts God's Or as Jesus said, drawing him. Well, drawing is, is an interaction. Okay. It's not mm-hmm. giving them faith uh, in my position. So this, this understanding of total depravity and unconditional election distorts God's justice and his love. So if Calvinist inter- uh, interpretation of Ephesians one, four is true, it proves universalism and disproves Calvinism. So the, the proof texts that show unconditional election, which is the foundation for the, what is in my mind, circular reasoning, total depravity is true. Therefore it it proves the position on unconditional election. Unconditional election is true. Therefore it proves the position on total depravity. If, if Calvinist interpretation of Ephesians one, four was true, then all people are going to end up in heaven. If you believe some universalists, even Satan and the fallen angels, the, the demons and the Nephilim, right? We don't believe that. Okay. That's false. So Calvinism, specifically unconditional election, which is necessary if total depravity is true, are false interpretations of Scripture because they don't lead to Calvinism. They lead to unconditional election because God is incapable of not loving someone because that would be outside of his uh, His nature.
0: Yeah, there seems to be, at least to me, and if, if anybody else has made it this long, God bless you. Sorry, uh, Please people. feel free to weigh in. No, that's fine. Um, it is what it is. But it seems to me that there's an equivocation of God's love uh, in that uh, in order for God to be love, the expression of that love has to be salvific, salvific in, in the case of every individual. And I don't think there's scriptural warrant for that kind of connection.
1: I agree us. there's not. But the the, the position— So why,
0: why do you make that jump? Why, so, why do you say the, because the, God is the love, therefore He has to love everybody unto salvation?
1: No, so the positioning is within the framework of Calvinism, right? Okay. God unconditionally elected people because of His love, Ephesians one four. All right. right? Hold that till next week, dude. Uh, dude, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 valid because of how you tied total depravity to unconditional election. I'm sorry, I was gonna hold it till next week. I'm sorry, this is gonna make next week so much shorter because I'm talking about both today. Uh, so Calvinists position total mm-hmm. depravity as a natural conclusion because of God's unconditional election before the the foundation of the world. Okay, for, right, for which is also total, in Ephesians <laughs> from from the Calvinist quote unquote exegesis. Um, so. The the reason it's argued that way is not because I believe it. It is that within the Calvinist argument, that must be the logical conclusion, all right? God yeah. unconditionally elected people because of his love for them, okay? Mm-hmm. God unconditionally elected people because of his love for them. If God unconditionally elected people because of his love for them, that means the people who were not unconditionally elected— we're not loved or not loved equally by God. Okay. It not has loved nothing in the to same do with it. Right. Which doesn't have to, be, outside doesn't of doesn't God's have to nature. be
0: equal proportion.
1: But also. But it's outside that, of his nature not to love everyone, right? He he has to not love them where equally. do you get that from? God is love, God is just, God is righteous. If he is unconditionally electing people, not because they choose to faithfully believe in him, and therefore he applies his grace unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no work of man causes the application of grace. That is an undeserved gift of God. Okay. Faith, Faith is the condition for election for those handful of election passages that actually mean election of people because they are in him. All right. The election of those who are is the election where it does actually mean individual people are the people in him, in Christ, all right? Who, as Paul already established, are those in Christ, those who have faith, okay? So mm-hmm. if unconditional election is God choosing people for no reason of theirs because he gives them faith, mm-hmm. then it would be necessary within the nature of God that God unconditionally elect all people, okay? No. I'd,
0: why not? Be- because there's because no... He
1: mysteriously chooses some for damnation and some for election?
0: Well, no. I mean, if we're going to stick with Ephesians, for example, if you if you keep reading, uh, verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right There is an internal will of God that is not known to us. I think it's Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, 29, 29 uh, the, the secret things. Uh, of God or his or something to that effect. Um, and, and I think we would both agree that as finite creatures, we cannot in ourselves grasp uh, the whole counsel of God, right? E- e- even if that were made uh, known to us, even if that were revealed to us, we couldn't comprehend it all, right? right? Um, so to to pretend that we could understand how the mind of God works in its entirety is a fool's errand, On its own. So I have no problem saying that God is love because that's what Scripture says. I also have no problem saying that God has chosen some because Scripture says that. And I have no problem saying that man is incapable of choosing God apart from that, right? Just in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. In uh, the Gospel of John, which I read earlier, first, hang on, hang on, hang on. OK, in in the Gospel of John, um, you know, Jesus says specifically, no one can come to me. He's identifying uh, a fault in us. Right. We are not able to come to Jesus unless the father who sent him draws us. And later on in that same discourse, you have the Jews kind of grumbling among themselves. And Jesus doesn't come back and say, no, 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 I, I, I didn't mean that, you know, you can't come to us. and who it was to betray him, and he said, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father." So we have Jesus doubling down on this idea that we are not able to, we cannot come.
1: You cannot, and, and cannot do, what, what does "come" mean? What does "come" mean, though? Does it mean faith, or does it mean come to salvation? Because he's not. He. You, what you just. What you just read there. Mm-hmm. I have no argument with that. But you're you're comparing faith as part of what we come to, only because God gives it, right? That that's not what that passage is saying. It's saying that we cannot come to the Father, mm-hmm. because we have been separated from the Father by the gulf of our sin, right? All right. men sin, and in sin, order to
0: get back to the Father, we have to get to Christ. We can't right. come to Christ unless the Father
1: draws us. Right, and God put, but God put the law in our heart. God gave us Scripture. The Scripture Mm -hmm. is sufficient for us to believe in faith. We're not coming to God. God is sitting there begging us to turn and see that He's there waiting on us, telling us that He's there, okay? No one is saying that we come to the Father or even to Jesus by having faith of our own accord, by seeing libertarian free will to believe, right? It's not that—
0: I don't I don't know that uh, you would. So but that, that provision the-
1: does not hold that man comes to God, right? God God's interacting with us, has been our entire lives, has given us scripture, has given us evidence in, in creation that he's there. He he is screaming at us to believe in him. Okay, right? We could not come to the the father, we could not come to the son without the father giving to, giving us to Him, And I know the argument is, but none that come to the, the father, none that come to the son, I, I will not lose any that come to, I forget what it is. Uh, exactly. Uh, but the, 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 the counterpoint is that all who are given to him come, right? Mm-hmm. He will not lose any who come, but that, that, that again is conflating the faith as the come, right? It is the, it is the salvation. It is the member of the body of Christ that is the come, okay? Uh, n- none who are given to me. Those who are given to him are the ones who are redeemed, those who are saved. It is not giving of salvation, okay? I mean, not, sorry, it, it is giving salvation. It is not giving faith, okay? It, it, it is not the, the scripture passage you said, we love because he first loved us. Well, of course, God is our example for what love means, right? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know love without the example of God. Uh, I don't know that creation would exist without the example of God's love, right? God is love. Uh, Creation wouldn't exist without God's love. Uh, We cannot come to the God unless he draws us. Well, God draws all men. Some reject him, right? Okay, so so let me ask you this. Do
0: you believe that Adam's fall had any effect
1: on us? Oh, sorry, we didn't get back into this. Yes, Uh, so this is where I disagree with the average of the it-had-no-effect-on-us crowd, right? Uh, Adam Adam and Eve were clearly meant to live forever in perfect harmony with God until they ate a tree of the uh, uh, tree of knowledge. We can disagree on that. Keep going. Right. Of, of course, in Calvinism, there's only one plan that was ever even possible. Uh, but uh, people were uh, unloved by God and damned to hell before the creation of the world, by no fault of their own and no possibility otherwise in that case. So, uh, God is not love in that case. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so Adam and Eve would have lived forever had they not sinned, right? Whether, whether that is because they had access to the tree of life or they were naturally not susceptible to death in their unfallen nature. I don't know. Uh, this is where I tend to agree with, the there has been no change argument because I believe that the tree of life was there to deny them once they did fall the ability to live forever and be like God, independent of God's grace and salvation. Right. Uh, because that, that can be argued if they, uh, the the scripture that talks about God banning them from the garden denying them access to the tree of life can be argued as describing they would be like God and live forever and never suffer the consequences of their sin, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, they would have lived in perfect harmony in spite of their sin. So some argue that the, the average of the argument that I see in favor of there was no change in nature is dependent on the tree of life being what sustained them in the garden. And I just don't see evidence of that. It's a possible argument, but I disagree with it. So so
0: you've agreed with the position that, there, or you've argued against the position that there was no change and argued against the position that there uh, is a change. So
1: So where where do you land? the, The position that there is a change is dependent on man is born guilty of Adam's sin, is what that what the passages uh, Paul and other writers are talking about? Uh, death entered the world, right? So uh, for me, there are two there are two indications that that interpretation is wrong. Um, um, before, I'm just asking if you yeah, I, believe there. that there's there.
0: any impact of Adam's fall on us. The I'm, nature I'm, of that impact is a second question.
1: I, I'm getting there. The, okay. It, it's it's a it's a two separate question for you. It's two parts to the same question, in my mind and in my argument. So okay. Um, I, I'm answering the question just in a roundaboutly way because the two questions you're asking aren't two separate questions to me. Okay, so there there are several things in the garden perfection uh, prior to the fall of man that indicate to me that not even animals died, okay? Animals and humans are described as alive in a way that plants are not. Uh, okay. Not necessarily souls, but uh, for that that is an extra biblical idea that animals have souls, but they are described as being alive in a way that plants are not. Okay. So, uh, death entering the world. And I'm, I'm positioning this because I've seen an argument against my position being, well, they ate plants, plants obviously died for people to eat people and animals to eat in order to survive. Right. Plants are not viewed scripturally as alive the way animals and humans are. Okay. So, For plants to be eaten and go through a quote-unquote life cycle is not death the way death for animals and humans is described by God, okay? So uh, prior to the fall, all animals and Adam and Eve were vegetarians. Tigers, lions, bears, sharks, if they existed, all animals were vegetarians, okay? okay? No animal ate each other until after the fall. All right, Uh, that is that is explicitly stated in Genesis one that, uh, or no, maybe two or three, I forget. Uh, Genesis one is the the creation, not the Mm -hmm. discussion of what everybody eats. Uh, But all animals are described as being vegetarians, herbivores. Mm
0: -hmm. All right,
1: so there's no evidence of death prior to the fall, even in animals. Okay, the fall brings death into the world. Right. Through through the sin of one man, death enters the world. Right. I view that as objectively describable as literally bringing death into the world for okay. animals and humans. Okay, and the reason animals suffer the fall is because of Satan's sin in the form of the serpent. In the form of the serpent, right? The serpent okay. is um, the serpent is cursed to crawl on the ground on his belly and be the enemy of man for his entire existence. And animals are cursed through that curse. Uh, so death enters the world through the sin of one man. And the interaction of that whole scenario causes the curse of animals as well. So after that death enters the world for animals as well. So the change is, Physical immortality. Okay? okay, so yes, the nature of man changed after the fall. Through Adam, one man sinned. Through through one man's sin, death entered the world for all people. Okay, the okay. death Adam is talk uh, that Paul is talking about there is physical corruption. Okay, our bodies are corrupted and do not survive indefinitely. All right, access to the tree of life would have given Adam and put. Theoretically, his progenity, life forever. The jump, the leap in logic is described is comparing that death to spiritual death, right? And proving spiritual death by nature in Calvinism through the physical corruption of man and the description that man must be redeemed through the grace of God. It, it must be, be a spiritual salvation, right? The the bodies of men will be regenerated in heaven, right? In a, in a perfected heavenly form. Okay. So we have had this discussion before, uh, Mm -hmm. does a baby who has no concept of right and wrong sin by choice, by will, do they, do they understand that they have sinned before they understand the law? do, Do they
0: sin is a different question from, do they know they sin?
1: But, but Paul describes that, uh, He says all have have sinned. He doesn't
0: say all know they have sinned.
1: No, no, no. Paul says those who are – oh, gosh, where is it? Um, Did I write down this note? Uh, No, of course I didn't. Uh, Paul even describes that he was once alive apart from the law, learned the law, and – learned of his destruction, learned learned of right and wrong and that he, he was sinful, okay? Adam and Eve were walking around naked for who knows how long before they ate of the tree of life, and it wasn't sinful for them to be naked. It wasn't shameful until they learned it was shameful, right? So, learning the law and learning right and wrong is what makes sin something we are held accountable for, all right? So, whether you are given the law of God are given a common law of man, right? Everyone at some point in their life learns right and wrong, all right? Even people who live in a jungle community and don't have formalized Western law still have some cultural norms of right and wrong, all right? Plus plus the law of God, you know, murder, right? Everyone in the world knows murder is wrong, okay? You have the natural law that you understand, okay? Until you understand that, you are not held accountable for your own sin, right? Okay. You still physically die because of the corruption brought into the world by Adam's sin. Okay. Right? All men physically are corrupted and die. The redemption is still necessary even for people who haven't sinned and damned their soul to hell to enter the kingdom of God. Because of God's grace, He will have grace on who He will, and uh, and uh, oh gosh, what's the other half Careful, of that? Careful, you're sounding like a Calvinist. No, you, you're applying it wrong. <laughs> That's why I sound like a Calvinist, because of your presuppositions. So the the position there that, uh, and we've had this to discuss before. You don't know whether some babies are condemned to hell and some aren't. It is by the grace of God who is given salvation and who is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the argument that a baby can be doomed to hell which you're unsure of and many calvinist uh super lapsarian calvinists who agree with you on that perspective would say some are absolutely damned to hell because God elects some and God does not elect others and it would be illogical for all babies unborn babies and infants who die uh, to be elected you know some would necessarily have to be da- doomed to uh, mm-hmm. otherwise it is the the willful act knowing act of sin that causes damnation. So it is it is an unnatural idea to believe that someone is damned in the womb to hell without having done anything sinful on their own. Uh, you, you are uncomfortable with the idea because it seems unnatural to you. You, you. you consider it possible because of where you sit in Calvinism. Some Calvinists who agree with you vehemently support the idea that some babies are damned to hell because of election, uh, unconditional election to hell and heaven. Like, for example, uh, another way this was put was, uh, "Do you hope for the salvation of your children?" Right? If oh, you saw that thread, did you? Yeah. So if if you hope for <laughs> yeah, the salvation of, of your child, but God doesn't, it is it is a mind other than that of God to to wish for something that God does not wish for, right? Mm-hmm. It is it is an unnatural thought to believe that you wish for something you view as perfectly good, the salvation unto election uh, for your own child, that God has preordained will not happen, right? I mean, I, that, I would say it's not within, natural
0: to want the salvation for anybody. It's, it's supernatural, right? In our natural state, that's that's the whole point of total depravity. In our natural
1: state, we don't want anything spiritually good no, 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 for no, ourselves so, or anybody so, else. You, you were that's you why were we rebel to, against God. Right. You were supposed to give up as a Christian. You were supposed to give up the the thoughts of man and have a mind of God. Right. You, you, you're mm-hmm. supposed to wish for and reach for the goal of having a mind of holiness like God and not wish for anything of the flesh that is outside of God's will. OK, mm-hmm. so your argument necessitates that the desire for your child to be saved if they are predestined before time began to be not part of the elect, is not of the mind of God. It is a sinful okay. thought to want your own child to be saved if they are not part of the elect. Add it to the list. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, you're, you're, I'm saying, not perfect. you're saying I don't have nothing but pure thoughts, right? So That's you're, saying, false. you're saying it's perfectly okay for your, you to love your child more than God does. No. But you're your desire for, for me to love to my part. child more than God does. There you go. It is impossible for you to love your love your child more than God does. So if unconditional election were true, you love okay. your child more than God does because God loved your child <laughs> less than you do because He predestined them for damnation. If that's a, that's, assuming something, know, that's assuming something we can't know, though. How how
0: how is that assuming
1: something we can't know?
0: Do Do you know? Can you say with one hundred percent certainty that anybody besides you is saved?
1: That's a red herring. No, but no, it's not. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the
0: salvation, no, the the status of salvation for somebody other than ourselves.
1: That is irrelevant to the point of you. Mm -hmm. Your desire for your child to be saved is from the loving knowledge that their salvation means they get to spend eternity with God in perfect harmony. Right. That is the ultimate example of love in a human. Right. You would give up your life for your child uh, whether, whether for their life or for their salvation, that, that is giving up your life for another is the ultimate example of love in a human. Okay. If you are capable of that, if God did not love them enough to unconditionally elect them to salvation, he does not love them as much as you do because they are loved less than you are because you were chosen. That that requires that in order to be loving, there has to be salvation. And that's
0: no, 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 no. That that's a you, jump you that's just your, not warranted.
1: You said yourself that God loves some more than others because God is perfect. That. Yes, you did. I, I you said did. He loves differently. He loves. Di- What's the difference between differently and more?
0: What's the difference between uh, common grace and special grace? Right? Common grace. Calvinist interpretation. No, no. It's, it's the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, Calvinist uh,
1: interpretation. <laughs> that's the difference between common grace and. I mean,
0: it, it. If you want to put it on that, that's fine. But I mean, okay, Romans one so, says that so there's a revelation God, to everybody. Okay, there's a on, revelation in nature. On. Let's
1: go back to no. love. Let's go back to love. Okay. God infinitely, perfectly, salvifically loves the elect, that He unconditionally elected. Right? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So, if God perfectly and infinitely loves the elect if he loves everyone else differently it's not infinitely it's not perfectly okay okay so different from perfect different from infinite is less necessarily in a qualitative standpoint yeah okay so god loves your and I'm not saying Naomi's not part of the elect. I believe she is. Uh, but you're the the generic royal you, all right? The royal okay. we, the, the person <laughs> who, is, who is saved and going to heaven, but whose child is unsaved and will end up in hell mm-hmm. because they lack faith and uh, we're not given grace. That person is loved less by God than you who wish their uh, salvation, yeah. I, I, I don't I, I don't see how that's possible. I agree it's not possible. but it's necessary for Cal. No, I, I, I don't see how, how that's thought.
0: actual either. I, I don't see how, how
1: in how. in your scenario, okay. L- let me let me let me let me move back to the point, see if you can okay. debate it other than just your opinion from that point, okay? So okay. Th- this whole line of reasoning that we're going back and forth on is built on the idea that, if you love your own child and want them to be saved because of your love for them and knowledge of God's applied love to the saved, all right. Mm -hmm. And God does not want them saved. You want something that is outside of the will of God misinterpreting that as Christ-like love for them. Okay. So God loves them differently. All right. For if God is love, all right. God's nature is love. He He is perfectly righteous. He is perfectly just on top of that. So I'm not arguing that uh, his, his love contradicts or counteracts his righteousness or his uh, justness or any other part of his nature. I'm just positioning it. You know, God is love. He is infinitely love. Okay. Whatever else he is infinitely just or otherwise, God is infinitely loving. Okay. If God is infinitely loving, if people were unconditionally elected to salvation because of God's love for them, mm-hmm. okay, God, for some mysterious reason that is not described in the Bible, loves the unelect less than God's own nature.
0: I mean, in a sense, I think you're right, because God's love is first and foremost for himself. Okay. Right that's that's what salvation that's is it's us receiving you just
1: unequivocally tell me I'm right
0: Yeah I mean I mean some sense because I I can't think of anything tell me if I'm wrong but I can't think of anything in scripture that would indicate God loves anything in creation more than himself
1: Correct God is love and for for a human that would be narcissism and hubris but God right is existence so for God so, to be love, he would have to love himself infinitely, right?
0: Okay, so so in that, in the context of—I'm trying to keep it as close to total depravity as we can. That's fair. So, so for those of us who um, are condemned um, that, that we die in our sins with this depravity, for God to execute that judgment on us is no less loving in that God is— Expressing himself in judgment, in righteousness, in holiness, by uh, the punishment of the sinner.
1: Correct. It would it would be unloving towards his own perfect righteous nature and towards right. those who he has given grace to accept sin, so, unrepentant sin. Un- so to go back to your argument
0: sin. from before, if universalism is true, then God is unable to express that uh, those characteristics. And Correct. So so he. It is unloving then for himself not to glorify himself in that way.
1: So I'm not arguing for I'm not arguing for universalism, universal reconciliation. I'm know, arguing but, that but from I'm, the Calvinist I'm perspective of God's love, right? So from the Calvinist perspective of God's love, mm-hmm. in unconditional election and how that leads into total depravity, okay, or or how that interplays with Calvinist uh, interpretation of Scripture to reach total depravity, how those interplay with each other, okay? Universalism would have to be the necessary conclusion from Calvinist understanding of unconditional election and total depravity. No, it wouldn't, precisely because of the point I just made. No, no, no. So I agree with the point you just made, but (laughs) because I disagree with Calvinism, right? God's just nature requires him to love within his nature, okay? But if unconditional election were true, he is washing the sins of humans away, giving them redemption, giving them regeneration, giving them grace and salvation through no merit, no action, no belief they have without him giving them the belief, unconditionally, Okay, because we're totally depraved and incapable of faith on our own. Okay, so you're defeating your own argument by agreeing that God's nature requires that some be punished for their lack of faith. Because if God is perfectly loving and gives us faith, then he is the direct cause of the lack of faith by not giving them faith for those who he loves differently or applies his love to differently. Okay. So yep. the the whole interplay is that faith is not a work of the law, it is not a work bringing salvation, but mm-hmm. faith is a necessary precondition in man libertarianly free-willed believing for God to conditionally apply grace to man. All right, total depravity is false because it it mutates the nature and the justice of God, because whether whether Calvinists agree that God is ultimately responsible for man or not, it is logically necessary that God is the cause of the damnation by loving them less because or loving them differently. Because I think that's the greater love for man who he gave faith and who he saved and who he elected caused their salvation okay yeah, we don't disagree okay, on the salvation we we disagree on the premise that total depravity is even possible much less necessary and therefore unconditional election is possible much less necessary because man's totally depraved and all men would be doomed to hell if god didn't give the predestined elect faith in order that they be saved by grace through their faith that god gave them to be among the regenerated elect, okay? It it just doesn't logically follow a consistent view of God's perfect, loving, just righteousness. There's too many holes in the logic. Where, well, there's there's a mystery of God's unknown secret counsel that we don't know about that directly contradicts what God tells us about Himself in in Scripture. Mm,
0: I, I, okay. Well, we're coming up on two hours. I think we we need to bring Sorry, it. Sorry,
1: people. If we knew it would be it long.
0: Close. No, it's fine. Um,
1: I was trying to keep that whole logical progression out until next week, but they just interplay too much. I knew this was going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's good to point out um, that we we both acknowledge and we both recognize that the condition of man is so very impactful in these other areas. Absolutely, right. The 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 T is as I would see total depravity as a logical foundation for the rest of the tulip uh, and uh, your rejection of it certainly leads to your rejection of the rest of tulip for the most part until we get to week five in our two, two minute episode, but uh, I agree.
1: Just, with the, <laughs> just not with the premise that it ties all the rest of it together. Yeah. Because God um, interacts with us and of course he's going to defend us from being lost to him. But
0: uh, I don't know. I think it was, uh, it was fun to uh, actually get out and, can I do a live episode? Sorry the audio was choppy. We weren't Sorry able to do it was a two-hour episode. Although before we end, I did want to address uh, Andrew's question. We had a listener question uh, come up before the episode that uh, you and I both committed to making sure that I addressed. <laughs> so he asked, um, how do we claim total depravity if Christ washes us clean as snow with his blood? I understand the concept of knowing I'm a filthy sinner because I am, but my identity stands as righteousness under the blood of Christ. Does it not? Uh, so to the second question, uh, absolutely. Uh, we we find our identity in Christ. And total depravity uh, refers to uh, the natural state prior to redemption. And uh, for Andrew's question, uh, for those of us who are uh, saved by grace through faith, right, um, that... Uh, regeneration has already occurred. So the the total depravity uh, in in that sense is not a reality for us because we are redeemed. We are being redeemed uh, unto uh, ultimate glorification after this life. Uh, And we see in the Old Testament, I would point out uh, some uh, physical representations of this, right? Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, there's a callback to the uh, exodus. Right? We just had uh, Maundy Thursday, or as uh, the Jews celebrated uh, Passover, uh, as a remembrance of the deliverance from bondage. We we see that similarly as redemption from the bondage of sin in Christ. So I would say prior to that, we were mired in our depravity, but by grace, we have been saved through faith. And, and I think Alex and I can both uh, give a hearty amen Amen. Oh, and
1: I kind of alluded to this, but I didn't point it out in detail Uh, where Paul talks about by nature. Yep. uh, Elsewhere, he describes the nature as learning. So nature is not born that way. Nature is the process of growth and learning, you know, nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nature to Paul would be described more as nurture in psychology, right? The, The learning process. In uh, psychology, nature is those ingrained ideas that are part written into our DNA or part of the human condition but the way Paul describes nature is from early age where one grows and learns not by birth and by existence as a human. so uh, that plays into my position as well that mm-hmm. the, the the argument that by nature we were, you know, sinful and transgressed. Uh, Paul's description of nature is that of learning and growing and becoming knowledgeable of the world. Not See, if
0: you'd been willing to just open open the Bible and and dissect Scripture, that would have been great. But you had to go off on nine point logical arguments.
1: <laughs> I did dissect Scripture. Everything I did quoted Scripture. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think um, go back
1: and listen to the nine points.
0: Okay, uh, I will. I, I prefer five points, but that's just me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a five-point objectionist. I'm not an Armenian.
0: Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for everybody who tuned in for for however long you were able to to stand. Hopefully, we'll be able to get some of these uh, audio issues fixed before the next go round. Uh, but uh, this was a fun experiment. Thanks for any uh, anybody and everybody who joined us uh and as always thanks alex my partner in crime couldn't do this without you buddy
1: love you fam <laughs> love you guys. since you didn't let me do it my intro normally <laughs>
0: <laughs> bye happy people
1: bye happy people <laughs>